This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The NFL Draft is under a few weeks away, and here at Saturday Sunday, we continue with wire-to-wire coverage. If you miss any of the four Tier Buster series shows, please go back and listen to them. But now we kind of turn our attention to bringing on some great people in the draft, fantasy, NFL community, to pick their brains about this class as we get ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. And we're really excited tonight to have back on the show. It's been a while. It's Fran Duffy. Fran, welcome back to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Paul, I appreciate you having me. It's uh, one of the best times of year, and uh, happy to come on and talk some ball. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right into it, because I think this running back class is very unique. So let's start right at the top of the B. John Robinson conversation. You've been doing this for a long time. Do you put B. John up there with the Saquons, the Ezekiel Elliott's? Do you think he's on that level tier? So maybe talk about that a little bit, and then... Where do you think we know positional value, such a rage in terms of conversation? Where do you see maybe him going? Do you think it's mid round one? Do you think he falls to late round one? Obviously, you're highly connected, you know, and do a lot of stuff for the Eagles. Do you, there's been some rumblings. Do you think that's something they would consider or maybe just a little smokescreen there? Yeah, I mean, I do think that when you talk about Bijan Robinson, he's on that tier of the elite running backs that have come out in the last, you know, decade plus here in the NFL. So I think when you put, you know, you talk about him, you're going to put him on that, you know, Saquon and Ezekiel Elliott trajectory, the, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Leonard Fournette's, the all those guys that you talk about going in the in the top ten. Now it's been a while; it's been you know over five years since we've seen a running back go that high in the draft. And so I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at you know Bijan Robinson and trying to compare. Him him to those guys well that's where it kind of gets uh, a little bit tricky because uh, as you mentioned um you know i think teams are becoming a little bit of why a little bit wise to the positional value uh and you know how tough it is to be able to keep those guys past that first contract plus right so i think at the end of the day um when you look at b john robinson yeah, I mean, this guy is everything you want in a running back in today's NFL. Uh, he presents everything from a run game standpoint and from a pass game standpoint. A, a really natural receiver, catches the ball so, so well, could be used in a lot of different ways. And then you look at him in the run game, the vision is there. The contact balance is there. The burst, uh, the the ability to make people miss is as good as uh, anybody we've seen at the at the top shelf of the running back market over these last few years in the draft. So I think when you look at Bijan Robinson, um, you feel good about him just across the board. Uh, now you start start getting into into scheme fit. I do think that he'll probably be in like the meat of round one. You know, right in the middle there. Um, you know, in the late teens. You know, something in that area, but. You know, look, at the end of the day, you know, this is a class, and I've said this, this kind of applies to all positions, right? This is a, a beauty is in the eye of the beholder draft. And so, um, you know, I think that there are going to be some surprises as we get into, like, pick seven through pick, like, uh, 16, 17, 18, right? In that, in that chunk of round one, I think there are going to be some guys that go off the board earlier than people think. And I think Bijan Robinson is one of those names that's potential, right? Because you could see a team, you know, let's say Atlanta at number eight, where it's like, hey, you know what? Um, you know, we're we're not going to take a quarterback here. We don't like the value there. Um, but we are in a wide open div- division in the NFC South, and we know like Bijan Robinson can come in, be our bell cow, and he is the reason. He is the catalyst for us moving forward to that upper ech- echelon and you know winning this division, competing to win the NFC South right now. 
And so I think if you look at uh, B. John Robinson and say, yeah, like he's one of the two or three best players in the draft, I think most people would agree. You know, if you take a uh, position value out of it, B. John Robinson is that tier of prospect. When you get into the, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 range, at some point, he's going to be too good to pass up. And that's just a matter of how soon does that happen. Yeah, and I think you brought up there, I think Atlanta is maybe the first scenario where we could see. I don't even think it's crazy at Houston at 12, like, to keep him in Texas. Like, if they if they look at, you know, like, new coach, new quarterback, B. John staying there, trying to change that culture. Do they have bigger needs? Yeah, but B. John also sells tickets. It, 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 keeping him there would be interesting. There's a lot of rumblings about Washington. Uh, you know, so that's an interesting one. Yesterday, there were some things about maybe New England, which would be an interesting spot, considering, you know, Ramondre has been very good there. But like you keep saying, he's one of the few blue chip players in this draft class. So, you know, after, like you said, the top five, six, seven, you know, it, it's up for grabs. I think there's a lot of ways it can go. And someone's going to look at B. John and think, you know, superb talent. I know the positional value is not there, but what he can give us five years, you know, we can go from there, right? A couple franchise tags, kind of like the Giants are, you know, going to do this year. Like, you know, you can keep them for six, seven years and then say, well, we'll cross that bridge down the line if it's time to move on then. So it's going to be really interesting to see where B. John goes. I think the next name up that is being talked about is Jameer Gibbs. I'd be surprised if he comes off the board late round one. It's not impossible, but he's an interesting player because I feel like the comparisons for him, I think everyone's living in the same stylistic world, but I feel like we've heard Alvin Kamara. We've heard, you know, I, I've compared him to Austin Eckler. I think the, the the body and the frame are a little bit more like Eckler than Kamara. Where do you kind of sit on Jameer Gibbs? You know, the idea of a bell cow is is, is basically a dying breed in the NFL. But do you, you look at a guy like Gibbs and you think he could be one of the focal points of an offense, 15, 17 touches, and you think that's going to merit going either late round one or early portion of round two? Yeah, I think when you look at, at what Gibbs can bring, and that's where <clears throat> the comparisons to like Alvin Kamara come up, where it's not necessarily like, oh, like how many times does he carry the ball? Like how many times are you ram him, ramming him in between the tackles? It's more like how many touches can this guy give you on offense? And you start talking about the, the pass game element, and that's where Gibbs can really shine. You know, in space, as a pass catcher, vertically down the field on wheel routes and sail routes and, you know, the Texas routes over the middle of the field, the option routes from the slot. He can do all of that, and he is really expensive. Explosive. He's really sudden. Um, I really love him on a lot of those perimeter run plays. He's a certain kind of back, like you mentioned. He's not going to be that traditional bell cow, but he's a guy that you can hand the ball to double-digit times in a game, and you're going to expect some ex- explosive plays to come from him. You know, So I think when you look at Gibbs, um, it would not shock me if a team said, like, hey, end of round one, let, let's pull the trigger here. But um, yeah, I think it's probably more likely that it happens in early round two. But you can never rule it out, yeah, and you never know, um, you know, especially when you have a guy like him that can create those explosive plays because everybody knows that's what you're hunting for in the NFL. Yeah, and I don't think people are really looking for that we want him to carry the ball 20, 22 times a game. I think I don't think those running backs, like we said, are, are so few and far between. But as an X factor, as a difference maker, we see the impact that some of these guys, you mentioned Kamara, Eckler, like these guys are having on teams that I think someone's going to look at Gibbs and, and pull the trigger Early round two seems to be the sweet spot most years for the top running backs. Like occasionally we get the round one guy, but you know, last year was her Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall go early round two. The Jonathan Taylor year was him, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. So I think Gibbs probably comfortably fits in there. I think the next interesting case is I think I can bring on 10 different people, you know, the next 10 episodes here at Saturday to Sunday and say, 
give me the rest of your top five or give me the next couple guys that you think could come off the board. And I don't think there's a lot of consensus there. You know, you have a bunch of different styles and body types. So let me just kind of open it up for you. Who are the next running backs that you feel are of most intrigue? If you don't have straight rankings, that's fine. Just guys that you really are intrigued with after that top two. Because I do think there's a variety of ways you want the bigger physical guy, the in-between the tackles guy, the home run threat, the pass catching component. Where do you kind of see the running backs? Like who do you kind of see next after B. John and, and Jameer? Yeah, and that's why, you know, it's not even just from an analyst standpoint. It's from a team standpoint, too. It, it's, it really depends on what you need in your running back room. And I think when you look at this class, um, depending on what you're looking for, what flavor you need, uh, this class has it. You know, if you want that banger between the tackles, you know, I, I, to me, like Tank Bigsby from Auburn uh, is a guy that has the, shown the ability in the SEC to handle a, a heavy workload um, and produce a ton of yardage, dirty yardage after contact. It was something like three quarters of his yards came after contact last season as a junior for Auburn. It's an outrageous number. And I think when you look at Tank Bigsby, his ability to make that first man miss, run with an attitude, run with grit, also compete on third down, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher, that's a skill set that projects really well to the NFL. Now, he's had over 600 touches in his career already, um, so that's a little bit worrisome. But I think when you look at his overall body of work, there's a lot to be excited about. And that you might think that his most produ- productive football might be ahead of him just in the upgrade from what he, he has seen the last couple of years at Auburn. But if you're not looking for like that downhill grinder between the tackles and you want some of this more in space, well, that's where like a Devin A chain from Texas A&M comes into play. Right. And he is uh, electricity personified. He is just so explosive. He's so sudden. Uh, he's got, he's got a quickness jitterbug mentality, but he also, I mean, he had like 200 carries this year for, for A&M. Right. So he's another guy that has shown that, yeah, like if you want me to be a, a, a ball carrier, like I can do that, but at his size, how much are you going to want to lean on him to do that in the NFL? He's uh, right around 190 pounds. That's really, really light for a running back in the league. So I think when you look at uh, all of these guys, like there are going to be a bunch that chip in and find it, you know, find their niche. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to what you're looking for. I would say those two guys, though, from the SEC really kind of stand out in that next group. Yeah, and and those are actually my three and four. Devin A-Chain is my number three ranked running back. Tank Bigsby, number four. And A-Chain is in a lot of people's top fives. I do feel like people are sleeping on Tank Bigsby a little bit. I feel like that offensive line that he played behind did him obviously no favors. Uh, I, I'm a fan of Tank Bigsby. I'm hoping he I'm hoping he goes somewhere either late round two or early round three and, and gets a legit chance. Let's bring up another guy. You mentioned a guy getting north-south, getting downhill. I'm a little bit lower on Zach Charbonnet. I have some concerns. I like him, but I have some concerns. But I know people are very high on him. I think Darren Jeremiah has him in his top 50 overall big board. Uh, he's he's going to go somewhere, whether it's round two or early round three, which I think he's more. I think he's a round three guy. I just have him a little bit closer with these other guys than not. A lot of people seem to maybe have him in, in, a, in a tier above. What is it about Charbonnet's game? If you want to compare him a little bit to Tank Bigsby, are they similar? Is there areas that maybe Charbonnet lacks compared to Bigsby or, or better than Bigsby in areas? Yeah, I think that they are definitely, you know, in that same kind of bucket, that same stylistic approach to the position. They're both bigger backs, you know, six foot, 215 pounds. Uh, he's a good looking kid, 32 inch arms. Like he, he looks the part of an NFL back. Um, you saw him in a, in a zone scheme out there at UCLA playing for Chip Kelly that, uh, has had a lot of success, uh, not just in college, but also in the NFL running that kind of, uh, that, that zone blocking system. And I think when you look at Charbonnet, um, you, there's kind of a plug and play mentality there that make you think like, okay, like, 
high floor, kind of know what you're getting there with if you were able to kind of just plug him in to your offense. He's a pretty good pass protector, so you can keep in the, keep him in there on third down. And size is a very important trait at the position. So if you're looking at a Charbonnet, if you're looking at a, a Roshan Johnson from Texas, right, who's a bigger back, if you're looking at, you know, Kendra Miller from TCU or Sean Tucker from Syracuse, like these guys all have uh, the requisite body armor to be able to take punishment, inflict punishment, and be able to pick up yardage, their own yardage in the NFL, not just what the offensive line creates for them, but also beyond that. And I think that's when you're looking at those guys to, to be able to do that, not just like down after down, but week after week, year after year in the NFL. I think there's a, a certain size and physicality level that you do need at that position to be able to do that over a sustain, sustained a period of time. Yeah, and you brought up a couple of really interesting names there. I kind of want to pivot to, you know, Roshan Johnson. I think he's a really, you know, I've been a fan of him since last summer. I feel like draft Twitter in general is a little bit slow to come around on him because the analytics and, you know, breakout age and percentage, you know, of offense and and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not his fault. He, he was behind B. John Robinson. So do you feel like the team is going to be because some of these guys are for sure going to fall to early round four. I've been kind of saying he reminds me a lot of like a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, who wasn't the workhorse, right, at Oklahoma. and But the NFL liked him. You know, there was a lot of buzz leading into that draft cycle that, that teams like Ramondre Stevenson, and we've seen what type of player he is. Do you see a, like a guy like Roshan Johnson maybe comparable in terms of, you know, getting to the NFL and seizing a bigger opportunity, similar to Ramondre than when, what he was given at Texas due to being ahead of him. Yeah, I think that what's interesting about Roshan Johnson, just from a profile standpoint, you mentioned like some of the analytical models might not be like super favorable. Like to me, I look at it and say there's a lot to like about his analytic profile, right? I mean, his uh, if you look at like his um, his best year from a pure like raw volume stat standpoint – happened as a true freshman. That was his career high in carries, his career high in yards, his career high in touchdowns, right? So um, you look at that, okay, that was before Bijan got there. Then you get the stud, the five-star. Bijan Robinson shows up, uh, and he kind of takes over, and Roshan takes that back seat. Well, since that point, he has been nothing but efficient with everything that he has been given to him, um, for, for, you know, kind of put it on his plate. Um, you talk about, like, missed force tackles, which is a, that's a, a number that uh, a lot of analytical models will favor at the running back position. Uh, Roshan Johnson forced tackles. His missed forced tackle percentage uh, was 0.49. That was the highest of any running back, not just here in this class, but in any running any running back drafted in the last decade. You look at his uh, his elusive rating from PFF, extremely high. His yards after contact percentage, extremely high. It was there with Tank Bigsby, 73%, uh, 73.8% uh, over the course of this past season. Um, 34% of his, of his carries went for a first down or touchdown last year. He's only had one fumble in his career right so I think there's a lot to like there about Roshan Johnson from an analytical standpoint and say hey you know what if we put a little bit more on him uh, we might be able to get a little bit more than what he did in the NFL he hasn't he doesn't have a ton of uh, a ton of wear and on him in terms of uh, overall carries obviously being as a backup right and then even if you're uh, not an analytic person and just, if you're just like the uh, the old school throwback like football meathead you would look at all right well uh, this is a guy who's a 220 pound back he's six foot he's broad he can get downhill he's got suddenness and burst um he chips in as a pass protector he does good uh, he does a nice job as a pass catcher and also a dynamite special teamer he was a very active core four special team starter um for a long time at texas and so um there's a lot to like there the guy played he was a high school
school quarterback uh, and not just not like an option quarterback, but like, you know, he threw for a bunch of yards uh, over the course of his high school career in the state of Texas, shows up and his first training camp there at Texas, uh, the starting running back gets hurt. And they're like, hey, we kind of need to move some players around. Like, would you be willing to a change uh, just for here this year? And he said, yeah, let's do it. And he never left. And so I think when you look at Roshan Johnson, you say, all right, the guy's only been playing running back for four years. What else can we get out of him? Uh, I think that there's a, a lot to like about the profile with Roshan Johnson. Um, you know, he was stuck behind Bijan Robinson. Some guys would have transferred and he stayed there and was like, hey, this is the role I'm going to play uh, here in this offense. This kid's got a high floor and he's also got a pretty high ceiling. I, I think there's a lot to like there with Roshan. Yeah, I think you bring up great points there. And I feel like a lot of the analytics that you brought up are not some of the things sometimes that people are talking about yep. on Twitter. And I think you really did a great job kind of setting the stage that, yeah, if you just look at the analytics of the time that he was out there and the and what he did in the reps that he was given, they are high-end analytic stuff. I think the film is good. I think he would have had a really good week in Mobile, too. We obviously, the first week of the first uh, day of practice, he ended up missing that uh, and wasn't there. But I, I think the momentum is building. I think he's going to go ahead of some backs that people are going to be a little bit surprised that it happens in terms of bigger names, names that, you know, that, Devi players and and draft Twitter has been talking about a little bit longer, but but I like Johnson a lot, and I'm interested to see kind of where he goes. So I mentioned the Senior Bowl, and I know you weren't there, but one of the stars of the Senior Bowl who's carried his momentum in the entire pre-draft process is is Ty J Spears. What do you, what do you kind of think about Ty J Spears? I think he's a guy that if the medicals check out, a lot of people think you know could be one of the top five backs in this class. Another guy similar to Johnson to play on three downs, can be a receiving threat, but also be that big play guy. What do you think about Ty J? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's been a big play back uh, whenever healthy, and you mentioned the health. That is, that is going to be a big deal with him, but um, this guy's a touchdown maker. 28 touchdowns the last two seasons. Had a huge year this year. Offensive player of the year in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, a big reason why Tulane not only won the conference, but then went and upset USC in the bowl game. And a big part of that is his ability to create those big plays. And it's not just like long speed, and he definitely has that. He's got that short area burst and then the speed to run away. Um, but I think he's got outstanding situational or uh, 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 sorry, spatial awareness. Uh, you get him up to the second level. He is always hunting for the big play. Um, and it's not just like, all right, you know, a lot of guys, you get running back up at the second level, up at the third level, and it's, all right, where's the first guy that I need to make miss? And you're kind of like looking for contact. With Spears, it's, all right, where's the crease? Where's the grass? Like there, there are some guys that just have like a feel for that, and it's hard to develop that. I think Spears has that intuitively. Um, so there, there is a lot to like there from that standpoint. A little bit leaner, like you mentioned. I mean, he's right around 200 pounds, which that's kind of a that's a, kind of a line of demarcation for you know those full time type of backs in the league. So I think at the end of the day, you're looking at Spears and saying, okay, um, you know, he's under 5'10", he's 200 pounds. What are, what are we getting in terms of a role here? Is this going to be like our like a lead committee back, or is he going to be like a compliment? What is he going to be for us? Um, you know, drops were a little bit of an issue this year. Uh, so you know, what is the impact that he's going to have in the passing game? I mentioned the play strength question, but uh, this is a guy that overall like took care of the football. Uh, you know, 475 career touches, only two fumbles. That's pretty good. Uh, created big plays at a pretty high clip. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you're looking at a, a really fun back. It's just about what is the role going to be uh, and will he be able to stay healthy? Yeah, that's the that's the key thing. Can the health, what type of workload can he handle at the next level? You mentioned about his natural like instincts, feel, vision. I think if we spin this to another guy who those are the concerns there, Israel Abaconda out of Pittsburgh. We know 
top level athleticism, burst speed at the USS Pro Day this week. The numbers were really strong. Uh, I feel like the opinions on Abaconda go from, I think, Lance Erlund, who I respect tremendously, has him in top three, top four, other people more like 10, 12. I think that's this the nature of this class in general. But when you watch a guy like Abaconda, where do you kind of feel like, do the vision and natural instincts concerns outweigh the big play, the athleticism, the burst speed that he offers? Yeah, I think that one of the things I really like about it, he consistently does pick up the yards that are blocked for him. He's a pretty decisive one-cut zone runner. Um, he'll stay on track in their gap schemes. He does a nice job of picking up what's blocked for him. He's got some speed. He's got juice. He showed that off uh, at the pro day. Um, I would say, like, analytically, uh, there aren't a lot of, of uh, characteristics that will point to and say, like, oh, like, all right, this guy's got what it takes to, you know, really kind of take that next step. Um, but this is an explosive ball carrier. And, and when and this year – you know, being the full-time guy for the Panthers in that offense. Obviously, they transitioned to more of a rushing attack. It was a new offensive scheme. Uh, he stepped in, and uh, he ran for over 1,400 yards. Um, he's going to run hard. Uh, I don't know that he's got, like, outside of that speed, that he's got any other, like, special physical traits. But, you know, 5'10", 216 with the speed, I mean – that's a height weight speed combo you can get behind, right? So uh, I think when you look at Abanaconda, um, you do, I think that, yeah, like, is he like the toughest, like most physical, like grind you into the dirt runner? No, I don't think that that's necessarily his game. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, in a in a zone scheme, um, you know, you think of like those Shanahan offenses where, you know, they really kind of lean into a guy's uh, breakaway ability. Uh, and, hey, we're going to we're going to create some lanes for you, right? We're going to create uh, some uh, creases for you to be able to pick up. Just put your foot in the ground and go. Abanaconda has that ability. So if he ended up, you know, in a Houston, if he ended up in Miami, if he ended up in San Francisco, those would be the kind of places where I'd say like, yeah, like I feel really good about his ability to transition. Yeah. He, and you know, that you mentioned those places, right? Miami, San Francisco, those are the two that I feel like would best fit his skill set for sure. A couple guys who have been well-known names, I think for a couple of years, entered the transfer portal, uh, Zach Evans out of Ole Miss, formerly TCU. Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, formerly of Tennessee. Maybe some thoughts on on Evans and Gray. I'm intrigued by both of those players. I like Gray a lot, even when he was at Tennessee. That was kind of when Tennessee was was going for some hard times. He went to Oklahoma. He couldn't kind of beat out Kennedy Brooks that first year for a big part, but he really came into his own this year. And then Zach Evans on the flip side, I think a lot of people expected this huge year at Ole Miss as, as the bell cow guy there in that Lane Kiffin offense. And then, you know, freshman kind of seized the moment and he was not that guy, but, but I, I like the upside. I like the traits of those, both these guys. What are your, what are your thoughts on Evans and Gray? Yeah, I really like Gray. Um, you know, he's, it's, there's nothing special from a physical standpoint. You know, he's not like the best athlete in the world. He's not the biggest, most powerful back in the world. He's only got really one gear. He's not a breakaway back. Um, but you start like going through and watching the film and you're, you know, that's, that stands out right away. It's like, all right, there's no physical traits here. But then as you watch more and more and more and more, you're like, man, like I'm checking a lot of boxes here. He's got pretty good vision. He's a battering ram runner. He's got really good strength and balance to withstand first contact. He runs with good forward lean. He chips in as a blocker. No problems as a pass catcher. He's strong in all areas. Um, I think that when you look at him, there's a lot of areas where you say, like, okay, like, 
why can't this guy be a really good number two for us or a great number three for us? Um, you know, I thought of like a Gus Edwards type while watching him, who's, you know, he's been a, a solid number two when healthy uh, in the NFL. So I, I think when you look at Eric Gray, um, kind of a, an easy, like high floor projection uh, as, a, as an NFL backup. And I think when you're looking at, uh, at Zach Evans, I think the ceiling's probably a little bit higher. You know, he's he's got explosive traits. He came in in 202. I think he played bigger than that. My guess is he probably tried to cut weight to run really well um, over the course of testing. Um, but this is a guy who's got traits. I mean, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, ends up at TCU to start, the, the first five-star to ever sign with TCU, goes to Ole Miss. And, um, you know, look, he the, he started getting into a battle uh, with a really talented freshman there in Quinshot Judkins. But uh, when you look at Zach Evans, um, with his size, and his explosive traits, there's a lot to like there. And he ran zone schemes and gap schemes equally well over these last couple of years. Um, yeah, there, there's some inconsistencies there for sure. I'd like to see him get a little bit better on third down. That's a, that's an area that he's gonna have, you're going to have to project with him. Um, he's not necessarily like a wiggle back. Uh, he's not going to like kind of shake you in the hole, but uh, he's, a, he's a competitive runner. Uh, and he, he's got, like, like I said, he's got those traits uh, that can really kind of say, that, you know, this guy's got something to him. Um, there are some analytics that, that will point favorably uh, in his direction, um, both his ability to create big plays and then also create some dirty yards, uh, some yards after contact. So I think when you look at Evans, there is a lot to like. Uh, he just needs a little bit of refinement there. So I think that's ultimately why he probably ends up on day three in this draft. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> some of these guys, you know, we've talked about a lot of guys already. Some of these guys are going to fall around four, and they're going to be really good values on yep. around four, whether it's Evans, whether it's Gray, whether it's Avaconda, you know, you know, Kendry Miller, we mentioned before a couple other guys who I think are probably ticketed for right around that range too. Uh, maybe some quick thoughts on, on Chase Brown out of Illinois. You talked about Zach Evans having some explosive athletic traits, Chase Brown, a uh, very good tester, you know, uh, in the process, him and his brother. And then Dwayne McBride at UAB. I know Mel Kuyper has been really high on the McBride bandwagon. He's been pretty consistent since right after the season, having him as a top five back in this class. I haven't seen anybody else have him just that high, uh, but a, a very productive player at UAB. Some unknowns about his receiving capabilities, but but some thoughts on maybe Chase Brown out of Illinois and Dwayne McBride at UAB. Yeah, we'll start with uh, with Chase Brown. You know, he's uh, got a really well developed body. Uh, he really looks the part. He's got a thick lower half um, and good athlete. And honestly, the, the thick lower half is a big reason why he tested so well. Why he ran as well as he did. Uh, explosive jumps, the short area burst, the ten yard split, like all of that. Uh, he's just got a really thick core. Um, he's got speed to the corner. He can break away in space. Um, I honestly, where he first stood out to me, watching Illinois Penn State in twenty twenty one. They really leaned into him, and he was outstanding in that game. And his physicality really showed up, really kind of willed that team to victory. Uh, it was an overtime battle against Penn State. Um, so he's got, like, that physical dimension that you really like. Um, but he's got some athleticism, too. I'd like to see him pick up more yards after, uh, you know, like pick up his own yards. He's not a make-you-miss type of player. Um, he's got five fumbles over the court or just this past year. Um, so the ball security was an issue here as a senior. Um, but I think he, he checks the boxes on third down uh and again like speed to the corner body beautiful there's there's traits to, to work in there he's worked with both uh zone and gap schemes um you know nice does, does a nice job on those like sweeps and counters where they get him out to the outside uh give him a crease and let him go um so i think when you look at chase brown uh there's a lot of reasons to think like yeah like this guy can come in and be a, a really competitive number two and in a pinch like be a starter for us uh, on any given week um and then you mentioned uh dwayne mcbride as well you know 510 210 pounds 
analytically a lot to like there. There are a lot of numbers that are really, really favorable to him. Um, you know, I think that the, the medical will be important for Dwayne McBride. Um, just five career catches, like you mentioned. So, uh, the, you know, well, what can he be for us on third down? Um, no drops but just only five catches. So it's just like, uh, you know, the, I think that's where, um, you know, the, the private workouts will be really big for Dwayne McBride because everybody's going to kind of put him through uh, everything there and say like, okay, like how, how, is, how did he do for us in this, uh, in this scenario? He didn't do anything at the combine. So you didn't get a chance to see him catch those balls uh, out there. But I think when you look at McBride, uh, the positional workout or the private workouts, those will be very, very big for him. Uh, throughout the course of this process. I know he had a boatload of top 30 visits, but uh, I think a lot of that might have to do with the medical as well. So uh, we'll see uh, with Dwayne McBride. Yeah, and last question, I'll wrap it up here, is I'll give you a list of four running backs. Pick one or two that maybe intrigue you the most. All of them, I think, have receiving pedigree as well. Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia, Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State, Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina, and Evan Hull out of Northwestern. Is there one or two that of that group of four that intrigue you the most that you look at, you see as a day three guy that, yeah, might be going a little bit later in the draft, but there's something about them that I like. I think they could stick. I think they could have a role at the next level. Yeah, I would say for me, you know, Kenny McIntosh would probably be at the top of that list. Um, watching all the uh, the combine workouts and the running backs, they wrapped things up this year. But I thought that McIntosh was one of the most impressive positional workouts of all of those guys. I thought, and it was a good running back group uh, out in Indy this year. But I thought McIntosh uh, just looked so smooth and so crisp. And I know the testing has not been super kind to him, um, but this is a guy who can be used as a receiver in a lot of different ways. I think he's got pretty good vision. He's got the ability to make people miss. He's got the ability to create his own yardage. Um, you know, I mentioned the, you know, the past game is going to be really, really big for him um, you know, moving forward to the NFL. And again, I know the athleticism uh, did not show up. You know, he ran four, six uh, you know, out in Indianapolis. He goes and he, the, the three cone at the pro day wasn't great. I will say this. I think uh, of all positions, athletic profile and you know, a lot of those things that running back don't matter as much. We've seen a lot of the top running backs in the NFL uh, not do well in combine testing and stand that be just just fine moving forward to the league. I remember uh, being on the floor of the media room, um, you know, when Dalvin Cook was coming out a few years back and saying uh, he jumped like, you know, whatever it was, if it was like 17 inches in the vert, it wasn't that bad, but it was something, it was like some like crazy low number and everyone was like, oh, is he really actually explosive? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, then we watch him play in the NFL. And he's like, yeah, this guy's pretty explosive. So I think when you look at Kenny McIntosh, yeah, the testing is not favorable. Um, but And, you know, the, the the breakout age and stuff like that, he wasn't a starter until a senior. Yeah, 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 I get all that. Um, but I think that the film kind of speaks for himself. I think this guy can be a really nice, competent backup in the NFL. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is the, the other guy I'll talk about. He's just an outlier from the size, uh, Paul. I think when you look at, you know, his height, he'll be shorter than any running back drafted in the last decade. His uh, arm length shorter than any running back drafted in the last decade. His wingspan, uh, shorter than any running back drafted in the last decade. 179 pounds at the combine. Extremely slight. Uh, right. And so the, I think when you look at um, you know, his ability to create yardage through contact, not quite there. That said, He's a pretty good receiver. Uh, he can chip in as a returner. He took care of the football. He's got a lot of carries on his body, nearly 800 touches over the course of his career, but he only put the ball on the ground twice that entire time. He's got good vision, uh, not just you know, approaching the line of scrimmage, but also at the second and third level. And like McIntosh, he's got the the pass game chops. He's got that ability to chip in as a pass catcher in a lot of different ways. And so, um, yeah, are you going to draft Deuce Vaughn in the second or third round and he's going to be your an every down back? Probably not. 
but I think you're going to draft him on day three. Think he, hey, he's going to help out on special teams. He's going to be able to do things for us in the pass game, and you know maybe we can give him a, you know, throw him a bone here or there uh, as a runner. Uh, and I think you feel good about that with the potential to be even more. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by both those guys. Their receiving capabilities. You know, I, I know Pro Football Focus has even been saying maybe Kenny McIntosh could convert to a slot receiver. You know, based just on how good that receiving capabilities is. And Deuce Vaughn, yeah, he's not going to be a guy who could carry a heavy workload, but you know, I, I do think he can bring something to an offense in the return game as well. Friend, you might not have this off the top of your head, but I know you talk about it on, on your podcast regularly. Do you happen to know off the top of your head on average how many running backs usually get drafted? Uh, I could tell you real quick. Um, so the a- average over the last uh, 10 years is 22.6. The average over the last five is 21. Um, you know, last year it was right there. It was 23 last year, only 19 in 2021, only 17 in 2020. So it's been trending a little bit down in recent years, but last year went up to 23. If I had to guess, looking at this class, I think it'll be right around that range. I think it'll be right around that over-under range. Um so, you know, just kind of looking at the list, my guess is we're probably looking at like the low 20s uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Cause we, a couple of guys we didn't talk about, obviously, I think could get drafted. Muhammad Ibrahim, if the medicals are OK, Chris Rodriguez, uh, Travis Dye, Keaton Mitchell. So, yeah, it sounds like early 20s is probably I just think the depth of it goes further deeper in terms of guys who could be pretty, you know, defined roles at the NFL might be a little bit stronger than we've seen in the past. Fran, thank you so much. I appreciate you for hopping on here and giving me 30 minutes to break down this running back class. Please, I'm sure most of my audience listens to you, but please make sure uh, you share where they can find your work, uh, what you're working on. I, I know you're busy doing a lot of different things. Yeah, so uh, the Journey to the Draft podcast, you can go check that out wherever podcasts can be found. We've got uh, two episodes a week, year-round, uh, like all year, talking draft, talking college football, talking scouting. So um, you can go check that out wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at EaglesXOs, for uh, as long as Twitter uh, is alive and well. So we'll see how long that lasts. Guys, make sure you're following Fran. Make sure you're checking out the podcast. If you've been a long-time listener, you've heard me say, it is my favorite draft podcast, the job that Fran does. Having on Ben Fennel and, and Dane Brugler and, and uh, Greg Cosell, top-notch stuff. Make sure you're checking it out. Make sure you're following all their great work there. So on behalf of Fran, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.